Happy Friday. Hi. Can you guys tell I didn't take my medication today? No. I can tell by what you're wearing. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Wait, hold on. What? (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) Shots fired. A little self-conscious. Andrew, go open those blinds and let me see what's outside that window. You're going to be disappointed. (laughs) A wall. (laughs) Is that your neighbor? The door is right there. So that's the like walkway into my door. And my what a like, worthless window. Yeah, I know. And this is a spare bedroom, but my actual bedroom has like a nicer view. A pond of the parking of another lot. wall. There's a pond and some grass and some shrubbery. Nice and rocks. Beautiful. Yeah, I feel about rocks here. Chris, did you steal Brooks' office chair or did you order one? She wanted a new one. It's like a wide one that she can like sit cross-legged in and stuff. And then uh-huh. the donation to my office was her old office chair because I used to sit when I was like using that computer on these old Ikea kitchen chairs that are not that comfortable to sit on for hours. So I was like, yeah, I might get another chair. And she's like, oh, can I get another chair and you can have mine? <laughs> I get the hand-me-downs, but it works. Too blessed to be stressed. I love mm-hmm. sitting cross-legged in a chair. I didn't know they made chairs for that. Yeah, you can get them on old Amazon with my affiliate link down below. A well, word? I actually think they made chairs for sitting. but well, well, now I know where to go. I can go get a chair. You can get anything on Amazon. Or at your house. From A to Z. A to Z. <laughs> I'm going to oh. pull up the Mustang in the back of your house. Just gonna scoop the chair and be back on my way. Back to Arizona, baby. It won't fit. It won't fit. So you just like drag it behind on a rope. Well, no, funny story. (laughs) I went to Ikea to buy a sofa and I was like, In the Mustang? Yes. I was like, There is a way in this world that I can do this. So I'm like, I walk in with a tape measure hooked onto my belt, like I'm back in the summer doing contracting work. I'm surprised I didn't throw like a dip in too. But were you wearing that tank? Yeah, probably. Walked in Ikea with a pencil too behind my ear and I like measuring these like boxes and I'm measuring like my car and I go back and forth like twice because I'm dumb and I (laughs) get one and I'm like, this should fit, doesn't fit because I'm just dumb. And then I take apart the box in the parking lot and start putting the pieces in the car. I made it work. There you go. That's the beauty of the Mustang. It's It's just perfect for everything, right? It's a vehicle. I mean, it's a family car. Yeah, you could hold a so entire family, family of 12 in it. Yeah, it's a family car. <laughs> i tell you what triggered me, though, was this Mustang SUV or hatchback, whichever it is. The Mach-E. What? That's yep. not a Mustang. That's not a Mustang. Get out of here. Yeah, the Mustang Mach-E. It's like just a tall Mustang with no front grill because it's electric. What? It's weird. The grill is like the part that makes the Mustang. Yeah, well... You have an older sibling now that's an EV. Not so, gas, man. You got to get both. I think that's it. <laughs> yes, yeah, I can tell you haven't taken your medication. <laughs> I get both. You're going to have to just have both, and then you can see what more opportunities at IKEA you unlock with a well, larger Mustang. Well, I'm just going to have to figure out where I'm going to put it because my Cybertruck is currently taking up most of it. Yeah, 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 of course. Hear me out. You could pull your Mustang with your Mustang Mach-E until you run out of battery, and then you mm. can pull your electric car with your gas-powered car. 
you might have to get rid of your cyber truck if Elon doesn't win the cage match against Zuckerberg. <laughs> Dude, if Elon loses the cage match, <laughs> I'm deleting Twitter. <laughs> and I'm going back to Facebook because, I mean, obviously the true warrior has established himself. I yeah. honestly would bet on Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I watched him like sneak into like a match like with a hat on, takes his hat off, just like walks out and just like beats this dude. And I'm like, yo, maybe Mark Zuckerberg is this actually- on live leak. No, it's on YouTube. It's actually kind of crazy. You know what else is crazy, Andrew? What's up? That Rails World sold out so quickly. That is crazy. 45 minutes. Well, those initial early bird tickets were like 30 seconds or something they sold out. I don't know how many of the total tickets there were for that, but not very many compared to how many people wanted them. It was nuts. I was going to go, and then I was like, no, I actually should just chill and not go. And then everyone was talking about it at work today, and I was like, maybe I will go. And then Too late now. We were talking about it, and before the meeting even ended, they were gone. I was like, well, I guess that makes that decision easy. You can always sneak in dressed up as the janitor and bring a mop and stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe you won't get noticed as a celebrity, but you might. (laughs) And then you might have to... You might have to do the Zuckerberg and beat somebody in the parking lot or whatever it was. Cage match. <laughs> Please stop boosting Andrew's ego. Dude, feeling it. Yeah, I'm so excited though. Like, I haven't seen the Rails community that excited about something for a while. Probably when Hotwire dropped or whatever. But people are super excited for Rails World. Uh, I can't wait. I got Brooke a ticket. I'm going to be going. Dang. We'll see you. It'll be like my first conference in a long time without I'm not going with y'all. I can probably fit you in some luggage. Word. You're going to go to RubyConf? Yeah. I'm undecided. Well, I mean, now you're going across the way. So I maybe, maybe. When is RubyConf? Is it November? Yeah. Yeah, That sounds right. There's no way I'll be able to do both. Yeah. I'm going to say the same thing. I don't think I'll be able to do both when they're a month from each other, but. Yeah, Are you representing them. You can bring our faces on little popsicle sticks. I'll bring actual cardboard. We'll be there in spirit. So people can get selfies. All right, deal done. Will they fit in your Mustang? Yes. Yes. Are you drive a family to San Diego? Car. Yeah, it's a family car. Yeah, I'll drive there. How far of a drive is that? To San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Fast as the Mustang go. Oh, I go like out here on the roads. Like it's actually the Wild West, so like over hundred. <sighs> Are you shooting at people too? And no, there's no, cows no, no, rolling no, no. around and horses. No cows. And- yeah, it's just like emptiness. Just like the great American <laughs> Southwest, dude. I got Twitter fingers, not trigger fingers. Jesus. <laughs> Going back to back. <laughs> why do you think it sold out so much so fast? Like, why was the excitement so big? Because, like, you haven't, I haven't really seen world. people like talking about it, talking about it. It was just like all of a sudden people are in like a queue system to like get tickets. And I'm like, holy <laughs> crap, I didn't realize it was going to be this intense. <laughs> I figured it would for the early bird tickets, but I also thought that like it might be next week or something when general admission opened. But general admission opened like, 10 minutes later or something, five minutes later or whatever. That's a pro pro gamer move. Then they were all gone in 45 minutes. So it's an official Ruby on Rails org event. So this is like from the team itself. So I think that's why there's a lot of hype and it's something new, of course. So that's another thing. And so, yeah, I think it's a kind of a combination of a lot of different things and 
we'll see how it goes and whatever. But I think Amanda's put a lot of effort into trying to make it unique and a new thing and some different stuff is going to happen, hopefully. And it's just going to be a different new event, which is cool. That's kind of what I think on why the excitement It's also not that large. It's not like the rails comps where they're like 2000 people. It's 650. Right. So it's not massive. Although it sounds like next year they're going to plan for it to be around that size. If they can keep the excitement up for the next one, which I imagine they will, but I think there's a combination of those things. I don't know. What do you think, Jason? No, I think that's pretty spot on. Anytime you get the creator of the framework involved, people get excited. So yeah, yeah especially since we haven't <clears throat> been speak in a while. Also, he dropped a hint on GitHub recently that I think it was Matt Swanson posted that Jay is working on getting Strata released for Rails World. So that's exciting. So there will be hopefully some new cool announcements and stuff. And then Strata. maybe maybe Coming Rails 7.1 will drop soon. And Coming 2020. We had all Coming 2021. <laughs> Coming 2022. Coming 2023. So, yeah. I'm wondering if Rails 7.1 will wait to get released around then or if it'll drop beforehand. I think our hope was that it was going to come out in May. But they, I'm sure, had busy things or other little fixes and other things they wanted to roll in or whatever before it came out. So it didn't make the May release, but close to the end of June. And I don't know, it's not too far till October. Depends on what else they need to get done, but maybe we'll see the release beforehand or hopefully it'll be at Rails World. Oh, yikes. My advice is they need to eat a smoke machine. Fog machine. Right. That would amp it up a little bit. Why don't you email Amanda? I will, actually. Yeah, you got some great ideas. Hey, I know I won't be there, but... Yeah, imagine, <laughs> imagine, you know, it walks out to announce like the next rail to Darude Sandstorm, and, and there's, yeah, there's like fog machine. You should say that's the reason you're not coming to the conference <laughs> because there's not going to be a fog machine. Because a fog machine was not confirmed, I will be respectfully not attending. Respectfully, disrespectfully not attending. <laughs> yeah, I put respectfully, Andrew Mason. <laughs> This morning, I don't know what the hell I was talking about, but for some reason I had the idea of creating a gem called inactive support and just filling it with stupid extensions to like <laughs> string and other stuff. Yeah. I've got <laughs> just a, like I've got whatever dumb, dumb ideas you got, we'll take them. <laughs> I had this command save for a long time, but I stole it from Ben. You put it in your dot files, it's a bundle command. And what it does is every time you run bundler, it completely invalidates the bundle cache and re-downloads every gem on your system from scratch. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I saw a tweet the other day that was like, remember Linux users, the first thing you should do after installing Linux is remove the French language pack. It's like pseudo RMFR for French and then the root folder. So you just delete nice. all the files on your system. Damn. And I was like, people make that joke all the time, but nobody's actually named it the like French language pack, which is like pretty convincing. I love it. <laughs> it's like a command but, run. I simulated uh, my opt homebrew folder. It just, just didn't work to user. Mm, oh, somebody this week tweeted at GoRails and said, you know, they followed the install guide and Ruby wasn't working. And it turned out that he had bought 
an Apple Silicon Mac and that he had time machine backups from his old Intel Mac. So it installed the oh. Intel version of Homebrew and that's why mm. it wouldn't work. And I was like, whoa, never would have thought of that, but it makes perfect sense. Of course that doesn't work. But that's very subtle. Even, yeah, yeah, super subtle. And I was like, I'm surprised you even found that answer because that's quite a subtle bug to fix and find the root cause of. So yeah, I was like, dang. And you would kind of think that maybe there could be a check in homebrew or something that's like, eh, architecture changed. That's weird. Maybe you want to look into that. Pretty funny, though. What other uh, Ruby or Rails things you guys been up to? Anything exciting? We just launched our new updated version of the Rails Hackathon site, which will be going this July 28th through the 30th. So if anybody wants to join us for that weekend and just hack on Rails projects that weekend for fun. We're just going to get on Discord and probably Zoom or something like that and do another hackathon weekend. Last year's theme was Hotwire and this year we're doing... Marco Roth had the idea of doing projects with the theme of like supporting the Rails community. So it could be like tools or docs or gems. Or I don't know. Anything that kind of generally helps Rails or Ruby community in any fashion. So it's nice and wide open for anybody to build whatever the heck they want, but gives you an idea of if you don't know what to work on, here's a theme that you can go run with. And a lot of fun doing that last year. And like Jim Jones turned his call stacking project, which shows you like a flame graph of what your Rails requests do. He turned that like into a product now, which is awesome. So it went from like debugging tool in the weekend to now like an actual product and stuff that you can use for debugging your Rails apps, which is amazing. So hoping to see a similar turnout this year and fun projects. And that's what Kent and Colin have been hacking on. We had the like rudimentary first version of the app, but now that we have multiple events, the app was like, everything just is for the one event. And now we got to go create an events table and then reassociate all the existing records with the events and scope the URLs and whatever. So they've been having fun refactoring all that, which is open source. If anybody wants to hack on that, that could even be itself a project if somebody wanted to work on it and improve it during the hackathon. But that's what we've been up to lately. They really been having fun doing that. I think so. Cause Ken's been like having a blast, like getting that challenge of like, Here's a project with a lot of weird little edge cases that, in theory, you give that, hey, just scope all the records to an event. And then it's like, well, how do we want to do that? And all the little details along the way of like, do we want just events slash one slash winners? Or do we want like slash hotwire slash winners or whatever? So I think he's been learning a lot and I think having fun. What'd you say, Andrea? said tech CEOs be like, yeah, my employees are all really happy. (laughs) (laughs) Got them. Been roasted on my own podcast. When will we see your like crying picture? Like that LinkedIn guy. The the CEO who had to let like (laughs) an employee post a picture of himself crying. You should throw him in a cage match. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For someone who co-hosts a Ruby podcast, I don't have a lot of Ruby things to talk about this week. What non-Ruby things do you have to talk about? It's like the two books where it's like everything you learn in Harvard and everything you don't learn in Harvard, but yours are <laughs> the opposite. Everything to talk about Ruby and everything not Ruby, they're both empty. 
It's just one of those days, huh? Just one of those days, one of those weeks. I one of like, those weeks, bro. It's because you're on summer much. vacation, right? No, I'm not. Blame that. I'm in hustle mode right now. Oh, really? Because you dress like you're on summer vacation. Yeah, bro. Keep roasting me. Every day is a vacation when you live in Arizona. He roasted me this morning, too, when we were drawing, because I can't guess people's drawings. You guys doing a little art class, art therapy yeah. in the mornings? We Jamie's on sabbatical, so we're just... So you so just doodling. We got our crayons out every morning. Yeah, we're just playing games. <laughs> we got our Capri Suns. Oh, that would be good right now. No, Jason, it's hot. Yeah, with your tank top, yeah. It's hot. The water guns. Capri Suns, tank tops. It's like sprinkler it's right now. I haven't been coding this week. I've been project managing and helping people. I guess I've helped people code, but I haven't actually done any coding. So I feel unqualified to talk about anything on a podcast right now. Do you feel like you measure your productivity by how much code you wrote? Because I feel like now that I'm also managing a fair bit more, with the team, I still feel like when I ship code, that's when I'm measuring how productive I was. And then a lot of these weeks is far less code than it used to be when that's all I did. And it's hard for me to get out of that habit or whatever, where I'm like, yeah, I didn't do anything this week. But I know we- I did because I was busy the whole week. We could turn this pretty quickly into an episode because this time... Last Good year, news. I stopped. This is an episode. Well, you know what I mean. This time last <laughs> yeah. year, I stopped managing. I don't think we ever really talked about that on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Really. So answer your question and then blowing the lid off this episode. Yes, I do measure my productivity in terms of like code written, but I shouldn't do that. But I still do it. I do it. It's a hard thing to change. A very hard thing to change. Because what do you what do you measure? You need to be co-authored by on every commit. (laughs) And then that way you feel good. Because then you can open up your GitHub thing and it's all green. I have a confession real quick (laughs) about the GitHub thing. Did Um, you run one of those scripts to put words in there that's like something funny or art? There was a time where I was making at least one commit a day. And just to I, make it green. I felt good about that. And it doesn't matter why that made me feel good. But when I missed a few days, it really bothered me. And then throughout you the backfilled. year, I, I backfilled them. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Shame, How can we ever trust shame. you? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a vanity picture. And then I took a picture of it, like the end of the year, and it made it look like it was all green, even though it wasn't. I didn't post it anywhere. I just had it saved. And you could have just edited some CSS. You didn't even have to write those commits. Or you no. could have photoshopped it. I was Flood doing fill. It. But you're right. There is <laughs> like inherent toxicity about measuring your productivity based on code. It's almost like, you know, a manager measuring how many lines of code you wrote where Which it's like, yeah, that metric right? doesn't make any sense. And we still do it to ourselves if we're like doing some management stuff where you're like, oh, I didn't accomplish as much code or I didn't ship as many features or whatever. And it's hard, too, because it's sometimes like you want to be deliberately slow about building a feature because you need to think through all of those edge cases and things. And it's like, well, if we just like rush and get the basics done, we could publish something today, but we might make customers angry or whatever, and we should actually slow ourselves and whatever. And 
those are kind of counterintuitive sometimes to do that too. Did you know that the number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money? There are so many ways for startups to lose money, but downtime shouldn't be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. But a monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which, my friend, helps you stay in business. And best of all, Honey Badger is free for small teams, and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. Again, that's www.honeybadger.io. Jason, why do you think the measurement of code for you, what about that provides value to you? Because there must be some inherent sense of like, oh, I'm measuring my value based on code. It's the only thing I knew how to measure. Like I got into programming and I just wanted to learn, learn, learn. So for me, like the validation that I was learning or that I was getting stuff done was the fact that I could ship code. And then I just kind of, I don't know, doubled down on that the next six years of my career. When you ship things, of course there's bugs, but like, that's where like you ship a new feature, people like it. You get a little bit of dopamine, a little bit of feeling good about yourself. And so when I became a manager, it wasn't that I was a full-time manager. I was like splitting my time between coding and managing but it felt like my productivity was cut in half and that wasn't true. I just didn't know how to ever associate productivity without Git commits. What percentage of your time would you say you were coding versus managing? Because you were saying like it cut your productivity in half. In that example, I'm saying it's like 50% coding, 50% management. But the real answer is it depended on the week. You know, sometimes people may need you more or you may need to deal with a situation and it could take your whole week. Or sometimes we did one-to-ones at that time. They weren't every week, but like sometimes my one-to-ones would fall in that week and it would take 70% of my week. And it's kind of hard to get into a flow for me of programming for the other 30%. So then I got 30% of coding, but it doesn't feel like it's even really 30% of what I could do. I think for me too, it's like I've had that as well as now having to take the kiddo to daycare sometimes in the morning or pick him up in the afternoons. Not only the management stuff kind of when I need like the focus to get in the zone to like work on some hard code problem. If I have those like, hey, can you help me with this? Those sometimes throw me off and then I have like a hard time getting back into the zone. So I'll like, I might do a bunch of code for three hours, but it's like, fiddly stuff, smaller things where it's not like a meaty problem that was hard. There actually needed like eight hours of focus. I felt like I just got eaten away at some point with some of that and pairing's great, but also I need the quiet time to myself to just think through a complicated problem and I can't have somebody else around or whatever to focus the same way. Definitely felt that same thing of like, Yeah, maybe how coded for that 30% of time that I did have on that, but it didn't feel like I got as much done as I could have in that same amount of time if that was all I was doing was writing code versus, or 
not necessarily all of, but primarily to, focused on that. To be clear, <laughs> no one at Podix expected me to have the same output. They were very clear with me when I became yeah. a manager, like, hey, we understand that your output is different now. And so they were very supportive. I just always struggled with it. And actually, I think the reason I struggled with it is because it made me realize over the year and a half that I was managing that I won't say I'm not, I don't want to manage ever, but I just realized I don't want to be doing that right now. And it takes a lot of emotional energy. It does. And yeah, I would notice I would get off work and be like emotionally drained. And I have three young kids that need me to be present. And so I was like, this isn't a good spot for me right now, but also there's problem solving in management. But I think the biggest thrill I get is problem solving with code still. Same. I'm in a cool place now where my role still isn't necessarily me coding all the time. It's me helping other developers get unblocked. And that is just as exciting to me. Like I'm good with that because it's, I don't know. There's a problem. Let's go find a solution. Chris, what you said was really interesting about the fact that like you need alone time to do like deep work because I don't want to say the opposite, but I do my best work with people. For me, the greatest output you're ever going to get out of me is like you and me together doing something, not Mm -hmm. me just off Mm -hmm. in my own world most of the time. Yeah. And I have certain problems that I need that for versus working alone. Like sometimes if I'm having to figure out a complicated problem, then most of the time, then the initial like, where the hell are we even going? I like to do on my own just to get an idea of where we're going. But then actually to make sure we think through everything, it's way better to have pairs working on that because you're going to get other perspectives and other ideas and thoughts and if you're just by yourself on those, then it can be you work yourself into a corner and no one's there to stop you. <laughs> then that's not good either. I think it's maybe partially for me that I just worked alone for the last 10 years or whatever. And it takes time to like, okay, I got to get a different flow going. And, and sometimes it's just hard to when you're like, if you know the problem deeper than the other person and you aren't driving, it can feel really slow to go through something. But what Jason's talking about too, though, like as you grow as a developer, your job becomes, yes, you could write any of this code, but your job becomes to help the entire team be able to solve those same problems and build stuff too. So it's not just you anymore. When you're on a team, it is how do we make the whole team operate? I was reading book. Oh, I can't even think of the name of it. It wasn't even about this topic. It was actually about building products, but it was by someone, Fidel, maybe. Tony Fidel. Tony Fidel, yeah. I think the book's called Build. And in the book, and like one of the first chapters, he's like, if you're a developer and you think the only way to advance your career is to be a manager, that's not true. And I was like, I don't know. That's the first time I'd ever even thought about that because implicitly I've always just thought, well, the only way up is management. I don't know. That felt like freed me a little bit to think about life, not as a manager. And I was, I mean, I was super lucky that Podia kind of gives you an escape hatch. If you want to start managing and then it doesn't work out, there's no like issue with that. They'll help you transition back into like an IC role. But yeah, it's been good. 
That's amazing, though. Like companies that are, look, we know we have a great person. They may not want to do the job they're currently in forever, and we'll let them explore and try stuff and figure out where they want to go and what they want to be. And guess what? None of those changes, if they don't work out or permanent, guess what? We hired you because we like you and you're good. So why would we get rid of you if you give you the opportunity to try something new and you either don't fit or you don't like it or whatever the case is? If it doesn't work out, we shouldn't just fire you. We hired you because we want to work with you. So it doesn't make sense when some companies do that. And it's like, what? What do you mean? You have good people. Just help them find their best Wherever they fit best, they can contribute the most. So it's in the company's best interest to let you do that. Yeah. Cody has been great about it. So like specifically (laughs) Jamie as well, the CTO, I moved out of lead position into a staff position because they're two different tracks, but it's been great. And leads management one. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I I feel like sometimes the titles aren't super clear on what kind of thing it is like the. CTO role is and VP of engineering and whatever else. There's a lot of roles that are very unclear of, are they technical or are they more of a manager or whatever? It's right. going to be very hard to know. Depends on the company too. I was super fortunate. Everyone I managed, I feel like we all got along really well, at least from my perspective. And like, I never had any like <laughs> true, like big issues to deal with. No one. I didn't have to like let anyone go. So it's like super fortunate in my brief stint as a manager to not have anything like that. But I wasn't necessarily solely responsible for people's careers, but I did want to help them grow. And like part of your job is to help them grow in their career. That's a lot of pressure. And I was really scared I was going to mess that up where when I mess up code, like it still has lots of consequences, but I can push a fix. You can fix somebody's career. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a very different job, very different, but what's nice is you get to figure out where you fit best and what you enjoy most. And that's what you should be working towards always. You know, it becomes harder and harder over time when you're like, guess what? I'm a rails developer. And if I move to a full-time Elixir developer, do I go from senior to mid-level because I don't know Elixir as well as I know Rails because I've been doing it way longer. And it feels like the more you get into your career, the more you don't have flexibility to evolve. And I think that's like a scary thing when you think about that, where you're like, oh, I don't want to do this forever. But also I feel like I'm going to reset. My expectations will be reset. Then my like income and stuff will be dropped down if I try and change anything or if I screw it up when I do that. Definitely seems like a scary thing or whatever. And it probably shouldn't be that way. But I think a lot of companies don't have any idea how to deal with situations very well. And it's very people problems. And they're also very different than the work we do. It's kind of inspiring. Jason, you inspired me. Like, in all honesty, like, I've done a lot of management work prior to even getting in tech. I hate it. It's emotionally draining. It's not good for me as an ADHD person. It's not where I'm very productive. It's just like very all enthralling. People's like drama become your drama. You get invested. It's just a nightmare for me. And I had already learned that lesson the hard way before getting into tech. 
but I was given this impression like to level up, you have to be a manager. And I'm like, I don't want to be a manager. And then one day Jason was just like, yeah, I'm not a manager anymore. I'm back to being a coder. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you can do that? And I was like talking to a friend of mine. I was like, yeah, he just, he's not a manager anymore. It's like, <laughs> he's got like a great title and he's still making money. And, but he's just was like, no, nah, I don't want to be a manager anymore. I was like, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, I don't want to manage. Yeah. You know, who's had some really good examples of that Shopify because they have a ton of like staff and principal engineers doing a lot of advanced meaty work. And I look at those examples. I'm like, yeah, like that's as of right now, that's what I want to do. It's like, I just want to keep yeah. solving problems. I want to solve harder problems. I've said it once. I'll say it a million times. I really like the position I'm in where I can help other people get unstuck. Thinking through problems with other people is a lot of fun for me. Yeah, same. Thinking through technical problems is a lot of fun for me. <laughs> Important distinction. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. I think companies are starting to figure out that although the move to remote work and now the like anti-remote work craziness is like clear that most companies don't know what the hell they're doing still. And, you know, you're in a great company at Podia. And I know that there's definitely like the Shopify's and Spotify's talked about most companies just didn't have any ideas of what to do. If you're a senior engineer, that was it. They were like, well, we don't have another like job title for you or a way to give you raises because we don't have that in the structure. And it's like, thankfully, companies are starting to realize, okay, you know what? They're really good at this. They want to keep doing that, have other roles for them. We can do like staff, principal, whatever. We can also just like throw numbers at it and be like staff one, staff two, staff three. What? Who cares? Like we can just make up stuff to continue like, okay, we have to have a system to give these people titles and some progression because you don't want to feel like, okay, I hit the top and then I'm done. And then I probably have to leave the company to get a raise or something. And I think that was like part of it. The companies didn't have any structure for that, but it seems like there's somewhat movement towards that. It's probably not as uh, across the industry as it should be, but they still don't know that like they should continue doing remote work or whatever and yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of mess, but yeah, I realize my situation is unique. Not everybody is in a company that is of supportive of that or has the opportunity even to like, just try management. When you were in town last week, Chris, you and I were talking about like topping out at companies and there are definitely plenty of companies where people kind of like they top out title or the best way to make more money is to go somewhere else. It's just a shame for the company that employs them because you're just going to lose good people for no good reason. It's because you couldn't be bothered to have HR actually come up with another bump for that person. They're not caring enough about their own employees or whatever it is. And it's just kind of a shame. But I think that's the sign of being at a good company. You have a CEO and HR and your CTO and everybody actually care about how do we keep you growing and you happy because you do great work for us. And that's our goal is to help you continue doing more of that for as long as possible. You know, we just want to make you happy. That should be the goal. But I don't know. There's a lot of egos and stuff hearing like my wife's conversations and stuff at a Fortune, I think, 25 company now. Like they're the farthest opposite from 
my four person business and Capote is what, 30 some people or whatever, yeah, 40, 30 plus, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So like we're on the opposite end of the spectrum, but oh my goodness, the amount of like stuff they can't get together. They held her back from a role just because she didn't have a bachelor's degree. And it's like, she's doing better work than these people, like four levels up from her, but they wouldn't do anything just because I oh, didn't have this one little requirement that makes zero difference. Anyways, it's a good little side tangent for this episode. Hopefully you inspire some people. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk about that for a while. I'm glad that we could have nothing enough to talk about. We always stumble on something good like that, except when we don't. But yeah, Yeah, I've regained my composure. (laughs) Jason and I were laughing about something. Yeah, laugh and cry. It's all we do on Remote Ruby. True. Same life. (laughs) All right, see ya. Bye. Bye.